Hey, it's me, Sam. Welcome to my podcast. Welcome back, hopefully. Probably welcome back, because I don't think I'm getting a lot of new listeners. I don't really know. Um, It's Friday. It's raining. You know, there was a organization on Facebook that I contacted about uh, just a program that they had in place for foster care outreach and I kind of wanted to get an idea on if they used like a model or if they had a a system that they copied to implement the the ministry in their church whatever and the woman messaged me back and she said um and I, I couldn't I couldn't handle this response but she said no, uh, no, we didn't use any type of model. It just really all came together very organically. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. It came together very organically. But now I feel like I kind of have an idea because I don't, I didn't really want to uh, promote this podcast. I just wanted it to promote itself very organically but I don't really think that that's possible because there's thousands and thousands of podcasts and unless you kind of promote it self-promote there's really no way for anyone I'm get in my mind I think the only way that anyone could like stumble across this is if they did a search for maybe one of the tags that I have connected to it like about kids and comedy and whatever even though the comedy one is a stretch but uh so whatever I'm not worried about it it's 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 what it is and um you know I'm getting the episodes down and and I'm happy about that so um you know how when you're when your kids are like almost sick but not quite there yet and you drop them off at school or you drop them off at the daycare and then you just kind of run away and in hope that you're not going to get a call yeah that's that's where I'm at right now with my daughter also I hope she's not sick that's I'm not a jerk but uh, I also hope that I don't get a call even though I've gotten a call every single day this week from the school nurse because she has struggled but yeah she was coughing and her stomach hurt and then this child she has has something on her body that's not not quite right for as long as she could talk this morning she tells me that the bones on her butt hurt when she sits down in her chair for too long are you serious i'm like girl that's because you're skinny you gotta get your gotta get some meat on your bones start doing some squats or something i don't know what to tell you so, and it's her stomach's hurting, her she's coughing, her throat hurts. She's either fighting allergies or she's on her way to being, to being sick, just like the rest of us have been. So, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see when I get a call. It's 11 o'clock. I haven't gotten a call yet, but it's a matter of time. Hopefully, I'm hoping that she'll be enticed to hold it together because they're having a pizza party today. So, should be uh, should be good times. I don't really know how this heavy rain's going to play out um, as far as background noise. But hopefully, uh, hopefully you can even hear my voice. Or maybe I record this whole thing and then have to delete it because it's loud with rain playing in the background. I don't know. Who cares? Um, I, uh, I'm ready for this week to be over. I'll tell you that. 
I'm tired today. Yesterday was I was so rested, but still felt tired towards the end of the day. I think because uh, here's an update as far as my diet and eating and changing and the way I'm eating and things. Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing great this week, um, but I'm also not doing terrible. I just haven't. I think because of this lingering cold and congestion and stuff, I'm just really not having hardly any appetite. So I'm not eating, you know, hardly anything, but I, uh, I even like Wednesday night, I went to church and had dinner and I didn't even like, I got a whole meal and kind of prepared it, a taco salad and everything. And then I didn't even eat any of it. You better believe I ate the piece of Oreo pie though, because it was delicious. Um, but yeah, I don't really have a taste for anything. So, but I, I, so I'm wondering if maybe that has to do with it. I'm not eating terrible, but I'm definitely not eating low carb. Um, so I guess that maybe will have something to do with the fact that I'm maybe a little bit more tired. Also, the baby woke up last night. I don't know. I, 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 there's just a point where I lose track and then I'm like, did I sleep at all? I, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I could see into the future because if I could see and know that I was going to be awake as much as I am some nights, I would be like, all right, cool. I'll just stay up all night because I'm going to, it's almost like you're more exhausted from getting up, going back to sleep, getting up, getting up, blah, 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 than you would be if you just stayed up all night. At least that's how I feel. And, uh, thankfully I don't have any trouble going right back to sleep like immediately, but it just seems like because of that, I get woke up. I mean, even if it's like five minutes later and the baby wakes back up, I mean, I'm already, I'm already dreaming. Like I'm already out. So then to get woke back up out of a dead sleep over and over and over, I don't know, kind of wears on you. And last night was the perfect, no, I'm sorry, but when you're a person who loves to sleep and loves like, it's not so much that I love it. It's just that I do I get so little of it that when it's, it's just like important, it's near to my heart. I know if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, but I have a window, um, directly to the side of my bed and last night was like the most perfect sleep weather in the entire world. It was in the mid sixties, low sixties last night. The wind was kind of blowing all night. It's a little bit, a little bit of breeze. So this cool air was just blowing in right in my window all, all night. It was so nice, but wasted the baby wanted to be awake here's what happened he ate his bottle his third bottle of the day sucked it down dry which is awesome he's finally you know back to himself but then when it came time for the fourth bottle he really needed to have it a little bit later than what he did and so he wouldn't drink all of it but then if I wait any later he's too tired and he won't drink it at all so he's he's basically finicky and he's just dramatic like the other ones so pretty sure it was just that he was kind of hungry in the night and I'm trying to get him back on his schedule so I didn't want to feed him and I and I will like there's a point where with a baby you can only you can only finagle them so much and if they're hungry hungry it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how much pacifier how much swaddling how much padding and none of those things matter if they're hungry like you're just gonna have to suck it up and get them a bottle and I can usually tell that point with my babies 
and he wasn't there. I was able to swaddle him and get him his pacifier and he eventually went back to sleep. So, um, anyway, so today I'm going to, um, talk about, uh, what to expect with foster care. And then, um, I'm also going to talk about, um, hopefully I'll be able to touch on things that you can do to help. This is part three in my series um, to celebrate Foster Care Awareness Month here in May. And so we're going to talk about if you do um, become a licensed foster parent, kind of what, what to expect um, once, once that license is completed and you have your first placement or before you get your first placement. So uh, before you have a first placement, what you can expect is a lot of phone calls that are not what you asked for. <laughs> You know, and I and I was guilty of this when I worked in children's services. Like, oh, this person's willing to take zero to two. Eh, three-year-old's not that much difference. Let's call and see if they'll take a three-year-old. Because what we know is that a lot of times, I think, you know, foster parents are kind of nervous. Like, I can only do a zero to two. But then when they really start thinking about it, you know, a three-year-old, how much difference it, different is it? If anything, a three-year-old's probably potty trained, so you're probably better off. Anyway, but, um, so that's one thing you can expect is to probably get, you know, you might get 10 phone calls that are outside of what you, um, what you would actually consider taking as a placement before you actually get a phone call that's like fits your criteria, um, that you've designated that you're willing to take. So expect that. And what I would say is say no. Don't be, um, don't put any type of pressure or guilt on yourself and don't take any guilt or pressure from the county or from your agency, whoever it is that's calling. Because what you have to know is that there are, there are other foster parents that do, that it, that that child does fit their criteria. So I don't, what I would, what I, I just told my sitter this the other day because she was concerned about getting called about a child that maybe wouldn't be a good fit for her. And I said, well, the great thing is, is that, you know, you, you can say no, you have the right to say no and you should, because the worst thing that can happen is that you feel pressure or you feel guilt. And so you say yes to a placement that's with outside of your criteria or not something that you're completely comfortable with. And then because it is those things, the child comes and then maybe within a week, within a day, within an hour, you realize, oh, this isn't going to work. And then that child has to disrupt and go to another placement. So that's really the, that's the worst of the worst that can happen. So you're better, definitely better off to say no from the get-go, get-go, from get-go, what am I talking about? Um, from that first call and just wait and pray and wait and know that eventually, you know, God will bring you a child that is supposed to be, you know, the right fit for your family, for you, for your family. So, um, that's the first thing you can expect. The second thing is once you do, um, get a, get called about a child that is going to be a good fit for you, that, you know, you do end up saying yes to, depending on the age of that child and the circumstances, obviously that's what I should say is that, um, don't have any expectations, (laughs) at that point because um you know 
just as an example, my two babies came straight from the hospital. I picked them both up at, at the hospital um, where they had been in the uh, the NICU, and you know, I would I I somewhat expected that I would have. Um, that they would come with clothing from the county, at least some clothing, until I could kind of figure out what their sizing was and everything. <coughs> and so my daughter, my almost two-year-old, she did come with a giant, um, like a duffel bag of clothing that the county caseworker had put together before she brought her, which was super nice, except for none of the clothing was her size because she's a pre- she was a preemie. And so, you know, none of the clothing that they provided was her size. But it was nice because once she, obviously, once she got bigger, I was able to use those things. So, that's something, you know, don't, like I said, your, your best bet um, to avoid disappointment and to avoid, um, you know, just being frustrated. <coughs> I love how it's raining and kind of dangerous to be driving as it is. And this guy in front of me is just steadily pumping his brakes. Just steadily pumping them over and over and over. What are you doing? Just try. I know it's hard. It's raining. But just drive. Making it worse than what it is. Anyway, so that's something. Just don't. I, I just wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't expect. This kid's going to come. And, of course, they're going to bring clothes. That's not always the case. I mean, when I... When I worked for Children's Services, there were definitely um, children that, you know, were removed from their parents um, in emergency situations, and I took them to foster homes with the clothes that they were wearing, and sometimes those clothes weren't anything that they needed to ever wear again because they were filthy or they were whatever it would be. Um, so, again, depending on the age of the child, sometimes, you know, it's not an emergency, and the parents are able to pull together clothes. And they bring, they'll bring those, um, to the, you know, with the child. And it's just a matter of, you know, going through those clothes, finding out what actually fits, obviously washing them and then going from there. Typically, I know in Ohio and the county that I am, that I'm in, <coughs> I'm so sorry about this cough. It's just, I'm trying not to do it, but as soon as I start talking, it's, of course it's worse. You'd think I'd like plan ahead and put a mint or something in when I start this but you know no of course not um typically like I said in my county they will provide a voucher um for a designated amount of money to where you can go and buy clothing for that child um so that definitely that's a huge help except for again in my situation with both babies they were both preemie and none of the stores that the vouchers are designated for so you have to kind of choose you have to say like I I will I'll use this voucher at you know there's two or three different stores that the county contracts with and one of them you have to choose which one you want so if I say oh I choose I'm going to use my voucher at Burlington Coat Factory well guess what Burlington Coat Factory doesn't carry preemie clothing so for both my daughter and my son I was out of pocket uh, quite a bit of money and thankfully my mom with my son was out of pocket some money too and my sister-in-law and um, really those two were the only two that helped out with clothes but that's a big expense because if you don't, you don't think about that um, you know a voucher isn't going to even though a voucher is a big help it doesn't cover um, it doesn't help out when the baby needs preemie clothing so that's something to keep in mind is you um, 
and I and don't expect that the county or that the your licensing agency is going to help with that because they're not. Um, their their expectation, like I mentioned before, is that you would be able to meet the needs of that child regardless of the voucher, regardless of the stipend, regardless of any other type of income source that would come along with that child in your home. So I also had to purchase another crib and I also had to, um, I didn't purchase a car seat. Thankfully, this is something to, to, to keep in mind if you're concerned about preemies, if that's something you're, you're interested in or if you're concerned about car seats, is that a lot of hospitals will provide car seats for babies that are um, premature or that are um, less than five pounds. So that was a nice thing with my son is that because he was under five pounds. You have an incoming call. I, yeah, I got it. Because he was under five pounds, um, I was able to, the, the hospital provided a special car seat that's specifically, I don't know what the, I don't know why it looks exactly like every other car seat, but, um, so that was nice. But, but again, that's not something to ever expect. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into it and think, well, I'm not going to buy a car seat because the hospital is going to provide them one. I wouldn't expect that. You know, that was a, I didn't expect it. I actually took my car seat with me when I went and picked him up because I had no idea that they were going to do that. Um, and then with my daughter, the hospital that she was at definitely did not, that was not anything that was even mentioned or offered or anything. So I would definitely plan on having a car seat. I would plan on having a crib available if that's a, if you're going to do any children that are, um, two and under. And then, you know, as far as having a bed, having those things set up, um, and then just, uh, just like I say, like I've said, expect the least, expect the least, hope for the best, (laughs) You know, ideally a child would come with clothing and you wouldn't have to be, um, you know, or ideally they would come from the hospital and they would send them home with a ton of formula and diapers. And so you wouldn't be, you know, scrambling to get those things. But that is not, that's not always the case. You know, like even with my, um, with both of my um, foster babies, they were on a special formula. WIC thankfully covered that, but it was a matter of getting to the WIC appointment before you can get your card and get all your information loaded. So I ended up with both of them buying at least one, if not two cans of formula, um, before that kicked in. And then that's another situation, you know, with infants is that I think a lot of people think, well, WIC covers all of their formula, WIC covers all their food. And that's not the case at all. Um, I've definitely, once my daughter got a little bit older, like eight or nine months, WIC, the amount of formula that WIC provided was not enough to cover her for the month. And she ate less than a baby her age. So, I mean, for a baby who was a typical eater, it definitely would have been even more out of pocket each month. So there's just a lot of things, I guess, when I'm talking about like what to expect, it's hard to say, well, this is what you should expect. This is what you should expect because every situation is different. Every child is different. Um, you know, like I, I could say, don't expect that the child is going to stay with you for any extended period of time. But then I could also say, don't expect that the child is going to leave, you know, within a certain period of time, because there's just no way, there's no, absolutely no way to know how the circumstances are going to play out. I, um, when my, um, one-year-old, the first day that she came, the caseworker from the county and the caseworker from my licensing agency both told me 
that based on the circumstances, it, it appeared like she would likely um, end up being adoptable. That she would, that I would, that I would, you know, down the road would likely end up adopting her. They shouldn't have told me that. You know, I think they, the only reason that they even felt comfortable with saying something like that to me is because I'm familiar with the system and I kind of know, like, okay, yeah, you can say that, but that may not always be the case. And I also know that even though they said that, um, you know she still was going to be working towards reunification regardless of if that was, you know, likely the outcome. So, um, you know, I could, I could have ran with that and been, you know, just elated, but I just, I think you just have to know that the one thing you can't expect is that the county is always going to be very motivated to do whatever they can to either reunify a child with their biological parents or with, a family member. So mm-hmm. that's something to know too. Um, that's something to know too, is that there is, you know, there's always going to be that, that push and that kick from the County to try to get the, ch- get a child back home to get a child with family. And so, um, that's, that's just their, that's their primary goal, you know, and that saying that was so something that you could expect is that, a child is going to have visitation with their um, biological parents. What Whatever that looks like is impossible to know. I've known of children that have done eight-hour visits um, in their parents' homes on the weekends. I've known of children that have done um, two days a week from eight to noon. Um, I've known, you know, my uh, daughter did her visits on Friday nights for two hours. My son had his visit scheduled for two mornings a week for two hours each morning. So there's just, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I think sometimes they try to have babies um, visit more so during the day when there's not school age children and, and a lot of people at the, you know, visitation location. Um, I think they obviously try to have school age children visit in the evenings because of school. So that, I mean, you could kind of count on that, but that's something to keep in mind too, is, you know, if you, if you're working full time and you want to foster infants, you have to know that it's more than likely that you're going to be expected to transport a child back and forth to visits. And it may very well end up being something that is, is scheduled during the daytime hours. So, um, and that's something you can expect, I would say, you know, 90% of the time, the uh, county is not going to take into consideration what your schedule is or what your needs are or what you're able to not do or do. What they will say is, oh, you're not able to take them to transportation. We'll find a foster home that can. So again, to avoid a disruption to a child, the best thing that you can do is just to really keep in mind, you know, if you're locked in to, to clocking into a job from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, even if your heart's desire is to foster an infant, it's it's probably not going to be a great fit because that child is likely to have visitation ordered um, during the daytime business hours. You know, also, I mean, my foster daughter, I think I counted in the first week, she had 14 appointments. So she had appointments with a home visiting nurse. She had appointments with the children's services nurse. She had appointments with my caseworker, with the county caseworker, with um, the WIC office, with the pediatrician, with the, I mean, there's just an endless amount of appointments. So obviously that tapers off a little bit, 
but even still children um if you just think about like your own biological children maybe having checkups you know they start them out every month and then every three months and every six and then and then eventually it's once a year just take that and just quadruple it for a foster child i still have caseworkers here almost two years later for my daughter i still have caseworkers coming every other week so my choices caseworker for my private agency comes um my licensing agency they come twice a month still when she first came i had a a caseworker from there that came every week um, and then on top of that, the county caseworker came twice a month. So you just have to know, too, again, if you're having to clock in and out and be in an office all day, probably not going to be a great fit because you're going to have to be available for those home visits, which are end up being a lot. Um, so just expect, too, that you are going to have to... I mean, my house isn't clean. It's not. <laughs> but there's a couple of rooms in my house that stay pretty spotless because I'm fortunate that I have uh fortunate I'm fortunate that I can continue to be filthy and nobody can see it it's gross but um I'm fortunate that I have pocket doors that separate every room in my house so when I have caseworkers over they don't go past my living room and they don't see past my living room so my living room is spotless my kitchen is spotless which is the room that they come into and then my laundry room that they can kind of see you know it's a it's spotless-ish they can what they can see it looks okay so that's something to keep in mind too is that it's very intrusive I mean they are in your home at one point this is a true story I I can't make this shit up I had right before my daughter's final hearing um the she has what's called a guardian ad litem which is a um an attorney that's designated just for her and you know he I mean off the record he don't do anything he showed up the day before both of her big hearings and you know really his job is just to be able to look at her to look at me to look at my home and be able to make a recommendation that she's safe and that she's being taken care of where she's at so I want him you know I wanted him to come I want him to you know to see me and see her and everything so he came out Um, He called me and he scheduled this most recent time, the same time that there were a couple of other caseworkers coming and and a nurse, I think, was coming too. And what I didn't know was that the one, I think it was the adoptions caseworker that was there at that time, she wanted to do a full house walkthrough. And like I mentioned, I don't typically like clean or like, it's clean, but it's not like... uh, (laughs) It's not exactly, um, you know, ready for the public just yet. Um, so I, uh, she wanted to do a full house walkthrough and I was like, okay, I guess, you know, let's go. It's not ready because they want to see the kids' bedrooms. They want to see their beds and everything. And, um, so I was like, all right, whatever. So what I didn't know was at the guardian ad litem and all the other people who were there were also going to traipse through the house and see everything i swear to you this man who's like an attorney and is going to be in court and is in my home comes into my room which is where um the baby's crib i always keep the babies in my room with me until they're a year old where the baby's crib is and brawl just brawl and underwear out on my bed just out just for everybody i'm not great about putting my laundry away because why um 
seriously though why put your laundry away if you don't have anybody like if like when when my um when my husband was around and he lived there like I would put my laundry away just to get it off the bed but now why I have a king size bed I don't sleep on the whole thing I pile up all my laundry on the side that I don't sleep in because why mess with the drawers when I can just pick it up off the bed? I mean, listen, I, I got a lot, of, I got a lot, I got enough going on rather than worrying about my laundry. So anyway, yeah, just bra and underwear just out for the world. And here comes this attorney in my bedroom. It was just, it was awkward. It was terrible. So that's just something to expect. It's intrusive. They are in your business. They're in your home. They're in your life. <coughs> they're in your space very little privacy um another thing you can expect is that anything that happens with that child once they're in your home you are required to report it to your caseworker whether that's to the county or whatever it would be if that child goes to the doctor if they have a immunization if they have a prescription i have to send a picture of the prescription to my caseworker everything and anything that happens with them i have to communicate that to my caseworker because it has to be documented you can't just willy-nilly take them to newport aquarium because that's in another state and so you have to get permission for that child to go out of the state of ohio so you can expect that um you know, there's so many things. It's hard. Like I said, I can kind of just go through things that have happened to me and things that I've experienced. But I know friends of mine who are foster parents that they've had completely different experiences. Um, one thing I did want to mention, you know, I, if I, I'm sure if I was ever getting questions that I can imagine that people might question, like, what's the difference between getting licensed between the county and an agency, a private agency? And I kind of explained it a little bit as far as the just the demographic of child that each agency um, focuses on. But another difference that um, I know a friend of mine who is also licensed with choices that, um, you know, she talks about how it's been super helpful to have that additional layer of support. And um, I can see that, especially with older children, you know, having someone that you can contact directly a little bit more uh, with a little bit more at with ease. I've been really fortunate that my county caseworker um, is super accessible. I mean, she's like I'm I'm friends with her. She's very uh, available. I typically contact her. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll contact her before I even contact my agency um, caseworker because she just is available and she usually has answers about court and legal status and things like that even before my um before my caseworker will so that's that's another that's the that's the explanation of that but um yeah so as far as helping you know foster parents in your area I think the one thing that you can know is that like I, I think I said this before anything that you can do is just gold I mean just is it's just amazing um I've seen lists of that other people have posted and um, have talked about how, you know, their church will offer assistance with child care. They'll offer assistance with helping with lawn care. They'll, they'll offer assistance with landscaping and grocery shopping or dropping off meals um, that they will help out with clothes and um, different supplies and things that you may need. Because like, like I mentioned, you know, I kind of... I found out um, about my son being born on a Sunday, and I picked him up on a Wednesday. So between Sunday and Wednesday, I had to find another crib, another crib mattress, 
and I also had to, um, you know, get clothes together, you know, just all the things that come with having a new baby, diapers, all those things. So it is kind of a scramble. And I had, I mean, that's a lot of time. I had three days to do those things. Typically, I mean, you may get a call and then the child will be there in your home within an hour. So I had a lot of time. Um, you may not have that kind of time. And so having kind of a support group, is invaluable of people who can run to Walmart, who can run to Target or whatever it would be and pick up some outfits or pick up some, you know, special food that that child likes or some for a formula if the child's on a takes formula or bottles or whatever it would be. So that's something I, what I would say is if you have a friend who's a foster parent or if you know someone who is and you want to engage and you want to be a part of helping um, that person in their ministry um, with foster care is just to contact them and to really have a um, the thing that's hard and it may be it, it's hard, especially hard for me because I'm not great at asking for help is when people say things like, um, do you need anything? Because I don't, but I do. <laughs> um, you know, like right now, I don't necessarily need anything, but would it be super helpful if I had a day, you know, or had some time kid free so I could do some more lawn work? Yeah, of course. But I feel guilty. You know, there's this guilt I think that comes with, especially with single parents and single foster parents of, I work all week. I have activities almost every evening. So for me to ask for someone then to watch my kids, you know, for an additional period of time that I'm away from them, I'm, I don't want to, I feel guilty. And then I also want to be with them. So it's hard, but, um, so that's something to keep in mind is just, uh, just to be in contact. Um, if you don't know any foster parents, if you don't know anyone um, that is licensed or has any children in their home, another thing that you might consider is contacting um, your county agency or contacting a local church and finding out if there are any um, any individuals in the church or any individuals in your community that are foster parents that you could contact them. I just, what would be so helpful for me, well, what I'll say is this. If you're pursuing, um, if you choose to become a foster parent or you're pursuing that or you're thinking about that, one thing that I would say is to not expect any help. And I don't mean that to sound jaded or anything. I just mean that in that um, I think one thing that's, um, you know, and I'm getting over it now, I'm past it now, is that one thing that I, I had a lot of frustration about for a period of time was that... When I initially got licensed, I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be really super difficult to be a single parent, um, single foster parent, in addition to my two biological children. But in my mind, I would, I had a really, um, I had a church that I had been a member at for quite a while. And so, of course, my church was going to step in and be super supportive and super helpful. And that just hasn't happened. Um, there have been, you know, moments where there's been help here and there. But, um, that just really has not been the case. And so I, I, like I said, I was frustrated. I was pretty bitter and angry there for a while that I wasn't getting, um, you know, there wasn't any help really coming down from my church. But what I've done with that is I'm working with my pastor. I'm working with my church on just trying to develop some programming so that it is, um, it is in place so that the next person, you know, within my church who becomes licensed and has a child placed with them, that there'll be a real clear cut 
system in place to offer that family help. Um, Because I just think what you have to know, too, is that a lot of people just don't know what to do. They don't know how to help. They don't know what would be helpful. Um, So it's just a matter of speaking up and saying, this is what I need. This is how you can help me. This would be helpful. Um, and, And then being willing to kind of swallow your pride. I'm saying this to myself, swallow your pride and ask for help when you need it. And even if you don't need it, asking for it so that you can, you know, have a break or have a little bit of extra time or whatever it would be. So that's that. Um, Like I said, if as long as you are willing to have super open expectations and really know that those expectations need to be very fluid and very um, just... Just be willing to change. Be willing to uh, just be open to pretty well anything because there's so many circumstances. There's so many different things that come along with each child, with each placement. (coughs) And uh, you just have to be, you just have to know that that things, you know, are going to be different each time around. So that's it for today on expectations and uh, ways that you can help. Um there's so many ways. So just, uh, just know that the help is needed. And that, like I said, I get it. I get it that, that it's just not, it's not, um, everyone's deal to foster. And I, and I, and I totally understand that, but tell, I'll tell you what, any help that you can offer is such a, um, such just a huge deal. So anything you can do is always, always awesome. All right, guys, enjoy your Friday and, uh, um, it's raining here in Ohio. How's it everywhere else? I don't know. Um, Hawaii, man, pray for Hawaii. I don't know. I, I catch bits and pieces of it. Honestly, I haven't watched TV in like three weeks. I was thinking about that last night. So, but I do catch bits and pieces of it on the radio. And like when my kids are turning on Netflix, I'll see a little bit out of my corner of my eye or something, but um, anyway, it looks kind of bad. So pray for Hawaii and hopefully they'll, uh, they'll be okay out there. So, all right, guys, I'll talk to you next time. Bye.